You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. So the subject that every guy wants to talk about is love, right? Awesome. Actually, love is one of those things that it's like, hey, I think one of the reasons that guys stray away from or don't want to be a part of church is because we've, hear my heart, feminized the gospel. And what I mean by that is that we've made it all touchy-feely when if you look throughout Scripture, like it should be like men should be like, yes, I'm called to be a warrior of God. And to love passionately is is... So different than a Hallmark card of picking out the right one and picking out the right flowers. And so this morning, guys, I want to just challenge you to, to kind of reframe what you think love is. And then for us to, to have this idea of how God loves us was, was more than manly, okay, but was intense. And that he was a warrior for us, that Jesus was a warrior for what he did to go to the cross was not wimpy by any means. And so for us as, as men to, and as, as church, to recapture the fullness of the gospel, it's not a feminine gospel, it's not touchy-feely, it is full-on immersion, it's a mess, and the stench, and the warrior heart that we should have. Now that's a bonus, I didn't give that to the first service, so you guys are welcome, tithe more, or whatever you need to do, alright? So we're talking about love, and so this idea of love, so we have all kinds of different ideas, and so over the last few weeks... We've been talking about the one another's, the Alelons. And there's over, there's a bunch of them. We could spend an entire year each week focusing on another one another or each other verse. And as much as you may or may not like that, I'm not going to do that because I'm ADD and I got to go to different things because I get bored. Okay. And so, but this idea of being one another and for each other, there's over a hundred verses. And the main idea that he, that this is, is this is, this is the character of God fleshed out in Christian community. So as we do church and do life together, as we grow together, as we do messy life together, we are a reflection to the community of how God loves, how God forgives, how God builds up, how God... We are the image of God to the community. When they look at us, they are seeing God. Good and bad. What's the image that we're portraying? And for us to be a family, and for us to see us being built up in the the body of Christ, and there's those moments where someone who's a hand wants to be an eye, and so there's there's sometimes there's divisions over different things that are minuscule things, and the world is looking and saying, hey, if that's how Jesus, if that's how Jesus loves, then I don't want any part of it. And so what I want us to grasp is these one another's. I want you to study some on your own, like just get in your Bible, Google it, whatever you need to do, and just these one another's and begin to dig into these are the characteristics of God that should be played out in our lives. And so what does it look like? In John chapter 13, we see this is where we'll start out. We'll have a bunch of different verses in Romans as well. But here in John chapter 13, it tells us this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and it's Kind of getting toward the end here. and He says to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another. Now, what's interesting is, is that's actually not a new command, right? Because he's already told them, love one another as you love yourself, love, 
you know, love each other as you love God. So this is not a new command. Like this is in Exodus. This is in Leviticus. This is old stuff. So the Jewish boys, the guys that have gone to, to, to school, Jewish school, like they know this and they're going, huh? This is not new. But then here Jesus reframes it. And here's what he says. Love one another. What? As I, Jesus, have loved you. Now, that's a different frame. That's a different frame because these guys now have about for about three, three and a half years have been experiencing the depth of Jesus's love for them because they've done some pretty dumb things. And guess what? He still loves them. They've seen Jesus healing people that they had been previously told that they were unclean and undeserving of being not only touched, but of cleansed and healed. They've seen Jesus provide food for those that were hungry. He's seen women elevated to a place that they'd never been thought before. They were now at a new place, and, and Jesus heaps responsibilities and opportunities before women that were never before available to them. Mary got to sit at the feet of Jesus, which was this place of men, not a place of women in that day. So, I mean, that's one of the things, that, like, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's busy doing what women do, but Mary's like, listen, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I want to soak this moment up. And so Jesus is kind of reframing this whole religious debate and saying, it's about me and how we love. So this new commandment is to love each other as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Not like, but love. Because why? By the way that we love one another, like Jesus loved, everyone will know that you are my disciples. In other words, by the way that we care for those community and more importantly, the way we even care for each other, people are watching and they are saying, hey, are they sitting at the feet of Jesus that I want to know and worship or a different Jesus? And I would say right now, or maybe for a while, the community that communities that we're in have looked at our church and like, I don't want anything to do with that church. I want anything to do with those disciples because I know what they're against. And I don't know what they're for. So by this way that we love, you will know my disciples if you love one another. And love is hard. So here's what I want us to think about this morning. Is what is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Sorry, my... I shouldn't share my slides with the sound team and all those guys beforehand. So we know that kind of love. Like we're in a culture that gets that. Like we are saturated with that physical attraction and doing whatever we can to make ourselves look appealing to the world. We Snapchat ourselves a thousand times. We filter. We do all these different things. Why? Because we want to be liked. And somewhere we've bought into the lie that if we look a certain way, someone or the one that we want to have our attention, that that will win them over. And our world is saturated with that. As a matter of fact, the fastest growing addiction within the world is based upon this. And it's breaking down where Jesus has elevated women. Our world has debased it. 
And I have a little girl. And I don't want no guy looking at her over those things. I mean, yeah, I want her to think she's pretty because she is. But man, I want to see women elevated for their heart, for their soul, for their mind, for their intelligence, for what they bring to the world. More than the physical things that will come and go. And to quit photoshopping and to quit airbrushing all these different things because this kind of love is fleeting love. So girls, women, for anything, if you hear my heart, I think it's Jesus' heart for you, is quit settling. Quit settling for crap. Let men open the door. Not because it's old school values, but because it's them honoring you. So quit settling for second best because you're not leftovers. You're a one of a kind, unique masterpiece of the king. And he doesn't make mistakes. Again, bonus. The next way is storhe. Family devotion to each other, the familial bond, the parent to child relationship, the just the overwhelmingness of what will a parent not do for their child? Almost nothing. I mean, we have helicopter parents that are hovering, right? And that's this because they want the best for their kids, and good or bad. But it's that parent bond and understanding that. Then there's also phileo, which the wonderful city of brotherly love, or not, Philadelphia, is uh, friendship and warm affection between friends. And here's the interesting thing is this can't be experienced between people that are enemies. That's the biblical idea is that that there's this warm and affection, but if you're an enemy, you can't experience this. And so we've seen this in our own lives, right? That there are people that we're kind of enemies or we don't really know them. And so we kind of kind of push them to the outskirts and then we get to know them, whatever that may be. And so then there's this transaction of knowledge and respect and honor. And then all of a sudden who may have been an enemy because of what maybe someone else said about them, or maybe you had a moment of an experience with them. And now all of a sudden they become some of your closest friends. Because their story interlines with your story when you get to know them a little bit. And that's that familial bond and experience. And then also the one that if you've been around church a little bit, you've heard this word agape. And agape is the loving kindness of God. It's that long, fused patience that he has with us. And it's a sacrificial type love. It's God type love that capture it like this. He knows you. Okay, so even when I say that here from the pulpit area, wherever we're at, and, and, and I say that God knows you, where your heart and mind and soul goes to, he knows. And the cool thing, the amazing thing, the gospel thing, is that he knows you even better than you do. The depths of your evil, the depths of your depravity, the depths of your sin, the depths of your motives, the depths of your narcissism, the depths of your, we can list them. He knows them and saw them and loved you enough to go to the cross for you anyway. That's God type love. And so that's this calling that we have on our lives is to have a divine type love that we're the imago Dei, the image of God to those outside that haven't had an encounter with God, an encounter with Jesus. 
And it's in that moment when we say yes to what Jesus has done for us, the full knowledge of, hey, he knows me and he's received me and accepted me. This is love without judgment. This is love without limits. This is love because it's just an opportunity to love. This is who God is. Everything else about God, his sovereignty, his foreknowledge, his omniscience, everything else about him comes from his love for us. And so this is what we're to pass on to our neighbors, and even more so our, maybe even our enemies. Agape is a word that's rarely used outside of the New Testament, but when it is used in other literature of the day, it's used for kindness to strangers or hospitality. Think of the Good Samaritan, that kind of thing, and charitable is an agape. Agape is a chosen love, not an emotion-driven love. Again, this is God's natural expression, but it's not our natural expression. In other words, for us to experience and to pass on and to love like God loves, it's not from us, from our own strength or our own little checklist of we got these things right and now we can do it. It totally and only can happen if we've said yes to Jesus and God has taken residence with inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit and he Moves us. He changes our character. He changes our will. He changes our mindset. He changes our eyesight to see people and everyone and everything around us differently than we've seen it before. And it's only then, because love like this transcends our natural affinities of who we like or what we like. It's totally based on how God sees and it moves us to love and care like he does. Agape moves us to action, even when we don't want to act. It sees others and says, you know what? There's no us in them. It's us that know Jesus, have experienced the love of Jesus, and those that haven't. And those that haven't, let's make them a part of us. That's it. There's no black, white, all this different stuff, all these other things that we kind of do, whatever. Like, true God love says, Someone has said yes to Jesus, they've experienced it, others that haven't, they haven't tasted and seen. I want them to taste and see that it is. Luke 6.35 says it this way, love your enemies. That means anyone that doesn't like you, think like you, whatever, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem, but he wasn't Republican. He didn't ride a elephant because there wasn't an elephant. We're a highly divided people. And the place that all that stuff should go away when we're here. And probably even on your Facebook. Some of us are more worried about other things that define us than if we're defined as a disciple of Jesus. Do good to your enemies. Lend to your enemies without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward will be very great and you will truly be acting as the children of the Most High. In other words, when we love those that we don't naturally want to love, we are more like our dad than ever. And listen, I'm a child of a father and a mother. And there are moments that I do things that I'm like, oh my goodness, that is my mom. Or that is my dad. And I'm seeing all of you smile because you're like, yes. And you know what we do at our house when Becky and I are really loving on each other well? We have these moments. 
and uh, where we love each other, but we may not like each other. Okay. And if like we know the button and the button to push for me is to say, hey, you sure are acting like. (laughs) And some of you are like, yeah, it's counseling. We do have a counselor. Yeah. Because you know what? Your DNA and how your parents have raised you when you're around them enough, you just pick it up on it. They didn't teach you. You caught it. And so this here is not necessarily teaching. It's about being in the presence of God and being in the presence of each other. And that we encourage each other. We build each other up. We shape each other so that when we're out of this place on Sunday and Monday happens, people look at us and go, you're like your dad. Yes. That's why I can love this way. It's because my dad has loved me. And I've experienced it. And I can do this because of that. Be acting like children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. <laughs> None of you all have those in your life, I know. But those that are unkind and wicked to you are our enemies. And God says, love them anyway. Because love is a choice. Liking is an affinity. And there are people that we do not like for whatever reason, but God has pricked your heart and says, love them anyway. And that can only happen through the power of God. We are most like God when that happens. So what's Jesus' example? We're going to look at Romans chapter 5. All right, Jesus' example. I want you to catch a few things. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with Whose love? His love. So in that moment when we receive the gift of Jesus and salvation through him, God gives us salvation, but he also gives us the deposit of the Holy Spirit, and it overwhelms our heart. And so now we can have the DNA of the Father, and so we can, as he transforms us from the inside out, our eyesight, our heart, everything begins to change. We see things differently because of that. God has been intimate with us before we were ready to be intimate with him in that moment. That we can do these things, not in our own power, because God is motivating us and giving us the will and character that's not ours, but his, to love those around us. When we were utterly helpless... So in that moment that you were in the ocean of life and there's no boat, there's no lifeguard, there's nothing and the waves are pounding you and you're like, I have no other way. I cannot save myself. When you were utterly helpless, what Christ came at just the right time, not too early, not too late. At exactly the right time. Now, this is also historically, Christ came historically at the right time for the gospel to be spread. But it's also true for our lives. At that moment when you think you get to the end of yourself and swimming of the ocean of life and you're about to drown. Like you could, you can feel yourself about to go down. Jesus shows up and reaches out a hand of covenant friendship and says, I will bring you into the boat. And again, it can't be in your power because you don't have any of your own power. It can't be in your strength because you don't have any strength. It can't be in your wisdom because you can't make a boat out of water. As a matter of fact, it's your decisions and your wisdom that got you there to begin with. And at Jesus, at just the right time, rescues you. And he died even though you were an enemy of his. He intentionally chose you and chose the time to show up so that you would appreciate the gift. Have you ever given somebody somebody a gift 
that they don't appreciate? Yeah. Because they don't even know what to do with it. Like, you give somebody an AirTag, Apple AirTag, like, what do you do with this? Put it to your side. You know, I mean, like, all the time, <clears throat> this is the kind of stuff. Intentionally at the right time to receive the gift to appreciate it. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. This is what we're celebrating or honoring right now as veterans, those that have said, hey, I'm willing to step in the gap and give up my rights and my privileges and my life so that someone else might experience the fullness of what this nation provides. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still enemies. He took the initiative on our part. It was intimate. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, not of our own work, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved by the, saved through the life of his son. This is the inclusive piece that I want you to get. I want you to get that, here's the question I want you to ask, is who does not deserve the love of God? Who does not deserve the love of God? Now, we're in a world where inclusive language has kind of been taken off and, and, and changed. But, but I want you to understand that Jesus, God the Father, is inclusive. Whenever he looks out, he sees and says, everyone is in need of my son. Everyone is in need of salvation. Everyone is in need of new life, of redemption, of reconciliation, of freedom. Everyone is in need of that. We have a tendency to not be that way. And we have an us and them. And our us's and them's are dependent upon our each one of us. Maybe we've been trained that way. Maybe we've kind of developed that way. Maybe we've been hurt. We've been offended. Whatever it may be, this inclusive idea is if someone doesn't know Jesus, what can I do to include them in? What is it about my life that draws them to want to be like Jesus? So how can we love as Jesus loved? I think take initiative. Begin to pursue some people. Maybe challenge your heart and God's heart in you and say, there's some people that I don't really like. God, I want you to begin to let me take initiative. And one of the best ways to do that is to begin to pray for them. Find out their name. You may not even know their name, but begin to pray for them. Because here's what I do know, and I've learned in my own life and so many other people's lives, is when you take initiative and begin to pray for them, God provides opportunities for you to get to know them. And when we many times, when we get to know someone, we get to know their story, and all of a sudden, it's not us and them. It's like, oh, now I know why. Now I understand them. They're more like me than I ever thought they were like me. Yes, they may dress like me. Yes, they may be a different age than me. Yes, they may whatever. But they are more like me than I ever thought they could be. And the way that we find that out is by getting to know them. And that prayer magically breaks down our heart and our eyesight. And we can engage in life and conversations with those that we never would have thought we would have done. Be inclusive. Put yourself in ministry opportunities. Put yourself in opportunities that are outside your comfort zone. For some of you, that may be Monday night at Feed the Need. And just meeting people in the community that you never even thought you could meet and would never necessarily hang out with. People that are coming through for hamburgers and people that are hungry for food, but more importantly, probably are hungry for 
attention. And I know those of you that have worked for the need, you're like, it's crazy what a hamburger can do. Our teams, we just had two teams of missionaries sent out from here the last few weeks, some that were in Africa and some that were in Puerto Rico. And overwhelmingly, the stories from all of them is like, man, the grace of God that he put me in this geography has determined much of my destiny. Because your mama and daddy lived here is much of why you've had some of the things that you're afforded. And so I think that's one of the things is maybe when we offer another mission trip, jump in and say, hey, I, I don't know if I can build a house, but I can hold a hammer and hand it to someone else. And see what happens in those moments when you're shoulder to shoulder and armpit to armpit and doing all that you're, you're squished up to each other for eight hours on a on a plane ride or whatever it may be, and how God just breaks stuff down and you become more inclusive and less exclusive. Because what happens in those moments is intimacy happens. Now, I know this isn't a guy word, right? Intimacy, guys are like, what, love and intimacy? I'm out. This is not Valentine's Day. Here's what I want you to see. Intimacy is this. In to me, see. And as we do life together, shoulder to shoulder, and we kind of get outside of our comfortable Sunday zone and clothes and do life in some crazy ways together, one, we get to know the stories of other people that we're serving, which is very powerful, but even you get to know the stories of people that you've been sitting next to in worship. And man, that changes your one another's. Because you see that, hey, listen, they've walked some similar roads and they've had some similar trials and their stories, like, and I always thought they were cleaned up more than I was cleaned up. And it's in those moments that this is where gospel community happens, that you begin to be transformed by the and encouraged by the Spirit of God is doing incredible things in lives and friends and neighbors around you that you may not notice, but it is changing people's eyesight, it's changing people's appetite, it's changing the things in here that will matter out here. And the only way that can happen is if you, instead of excluding, include. And take some risk and some initiative to do some of those things. A gospel community that loves each other as Jesus is, is sacrificial, it's redemptive, it's uh, reconciliatory, it's trusting, it's kind. It bears with each other, it forgives each other, it pulls out your list of one another's. There's a bunch of them. And just do your own study. And begin to see the heart of God and what the heart of God should look like in us and in us. And when we practice those one another's with each other, we actively begin to be the image of God to each other, but also to the community. This is divine activity, divine action, divinely inspired, empowered work in our lives. And the only way that you can see it happen is if it happens. As the scripture tells us, there's some things that are in here, but those things move us out here. The greatest power in all the universe The greatest power in all the universe is God's love for you. Think about that. The greatest power in all of the universe is God's love for you. He knows every hair or 
few hairs on your head. He knows every word you've said, every mistake you've made, every thought you've had, everything. And he loves you to the cross anyway. That is God-type sacrificial love that's outside of us. But it's possible through him in us. John 3.16 For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. The most valuable thing he had, he gave. So that everyone, there's no us, them, everyone, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone gets the opportunity. 1 John 3.16 We know what real love is. Because Jesus gave up his life for us. That's not wimpy language. That's warrior language. That is stepping into the mess. That is stepping into the war. That is stepping into the battle and saying, it is worth it. What I have been given, I want to give to other people. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Especially in church. Give up our rights and our agenda. Why? For the mission and cause of Jesus Christ. Look. I tell our staff this all the time. Church is not for me. Church is not for our staff. And honestly, if you've been in church probably for more than ten years, church is not for you. Like, Pastor, you're not supposed to say that. Here's what I'm telling you. I don't, we don't do this here for me or for you as much as we do for those that are not here. Listen, now this is important. This is extremely valuable. But the decisions that we make on how and why and what we do as a part of worship isn't necessarily for 45-year believers. It's for people that can hear the deep truths of God in a simple way so that their hearts and minds can be transformed so that they can see the image of God in us. And it should burden our hearts that there are empty seats. We're to be warriors. And too many times we've bought into the lie, what are our friends going to say if we love them well enough to say, hey, I do this thing on Sunday, 9.30 and 11. Do you come with me? I'll treat you to lunch. Guarantee if you offer that in, they're there. Even in a town like LaGrange, Weimar, Schulenburg, Smithville, Giddings, Columbus, people that are traveling from those places here, imagine if we became warriors convinced that real love can change the world. Let me close with this passage. First John four. Seven. This should describe us, okay? These next few verses should describe us. It's going to say love a lot, so just get ready. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. God is our Father. That's our DNA. But anyone who does not love does not know God. And as we've talked about several times, know is not an intellectual knowledge. Whenever the Scripture talks about knowing, it's not intellectual knowledge. It is experienced knowledge. You've experienced 
swimming. You know what it's like to be wet. You know what it's like to be in an ocean. You know what it's like to be in a pool. You can describe it, not because you've seen it, but because you've been in it. And so you've been in it, so you know God. And so if you've experienced it, then you should be talking about it and living it out. For God is love. He's our dad. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved, but that he intentionally chose you and loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away. He took the initiative and at just the right time showed up. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. That's a pretty powerful phrase. The love of God is brought to full expression in us. Does that describe your week? A day? I mean, those are some deep, I mean, that's, that's like sobering stuff that you just can't glance over some of this stuff. Like this is, if this is divine us, this was like, that's a full expression of us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and him in us. If it pains you, then that lets you know that the spirit of God is saying, yeah, we got some growth. We got some stuff to do. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. And all who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us because we've experienced it. We know it. And we put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Again, underline that. Right? We live like Jesus here in this world. Why? Because we're child of the Father. Who loved us. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is a fear for punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. So someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. It's pretty strong language. In the Greek, it means liar. <laughs> for if we don't love people who can see, we can see how can we love God when, whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers, one another. What is love? God love? It's pretty sobering. One to have experienced it and to know it, to know that at just the right time he showed up to rescue me. To save me. And that in that, I now have the responsibility to love as he loved me. To be intentional. To be intimate. To care. To be all these things that God calls us to do. Because in those moments, we are most like him. When we choose to love, even when we don't want to or don't like them. To step in and say, God, I'm being obedient. You've called me to love, and I'm going to do it. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you 
for your love. Father, I pray this morning as we just contemplate, contemplate the depths of our messiness for just a moment. Father, that we would think of the depths of what you know about us. The good and the bad and the indifferent. And that, that all of that stuff that you know about us drove you to the cross for us. Even if it had just been one of us, you would have went to the cross for us. So, Father, I pray this morning that we would just be reminded, if we've experienced that love, if we've said yes to the gift of Jesus and what he did on the cross, if we've said yes to that, that, Father, that we would be overwhelmed by it, maybe again. Renew in us the memory of what it means to be loved by you. And Father, for those maybe this morning that haven't said yes to that, today is that day. But even in this moment, just to themselves, just say, Jesus, I need you. This is the time I am at the end of myself. I'm in the ocean of my own stuff that I've created, and I need you to rescue me. Jesus, I, I want your hand of salvation. So, Father, I pray this morning, wherever we're at, that all of us know we can love better and love more. Will you let us have opportunities this week? Put people before us, put opportunities before us to put into action what you've shown us today. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.